Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. Guys, we are at the point now to where during students, we have somebody come up and give us a message. And I get to introduce, probably, actually not probably, (laughs) Doghouse, the most beautiful and amazing woman. She encourages me as a person, as a man, and she encourages every one of our students. She does this every week, and um, I don't know what else to say, but I'm just so proud of her, and uh, let's give it up for Peyton. Pairing Dalton and Nehemiah up was probably one of the best decisions I ever made. (laughs) (laughs) Nehemiah, you did an excellent job. Great job. You will. I don't have pockets in this jacket. Okay. (sighs) I need pockets, guys. I'm used to having pockets. Forgot my deodorant. This jacket will probably be off by the end of the night. I was going to bring my deodorant up with me, you know, (laughs) just in case. Um, Because, you know, we don't need to talk about that. It's fine. Some things are better left unsead. All right. It is my joy. See, I'm going to keep trying to do this all night, so just don't worry about it. Um, it is my joy to get up here tonight, as you've already seen. This is not your typical Sunday night service. This is youth takeover. And I actually just want to take a minute to honor my leaders. So if you serve in Youth 214, can you please stand up? <laughs> I'm so, sit down. No, not you, babe. Those two. My leaders stand, Nehemiah, sit. I'm so thankful for each one of these leaders here. They are the dream team, okay? So Ryan and Sarah, wave your hands. Emily, my dear friend Jake, my sweet husband Dalton, and Meredith, who is downstairs. These are the people who run to Hy-Vee when I forget things. Um, preach for the first time, drive, pick up students, take students home, and they even have to probably work the next morning. I'm so thankful for you guys. I couldn't do it without you. This is just a little plug. If you call Church 214 your home, I would highly encourage you to serve, to find a place to serve. And if you don't know, come chat with me after. I would love to find a place for you to serve. You can serve on the worship team, in kids, in youth. If you're more of a behind-the-scenes person, there's definitely a place for you too, okay? I have met some of my very best friends serving in this ministry. We're going on an adult-only trip next weekend. Praise the Lord! (laughs) And all God's people said amen. (laughs) All right, back to the students, because that's what tonight is all about. Y'all are some of my favorite people. And I feel like you're my own kid sometimes. As I'm telling you to sit down, I tell my three-year-old that a lot. And I believe that you guys are a special and a unique group of people that have been handpicked by God. And we have so much fun together, don't we? Just Wednesday night, someone thought it would be a fun game to see who can hit their head on my ceiling. Okay? And and because Dalton and I are so mature, we did it too. (laughs) And you can guess how that went for me real well. I want to start off by sharing some of the highlights of 2020. Um, Man, 2020, man, there were good things. Our first video Zoom calls, 
My leaders ate some stinking hot wings, and I was too chicken. I bailed. Meredith actually won that. And we were asked by Brennan what some of our weird, like, things about us were. And some weird things were shared, but I'll let Jake share those later if he wants to. We did Chick-fil-A deliveries. We collected money and food for the people of our community. We started Brenner. We got to meet at the Spot Coffee. Thank you, Sarah and Ryan. And we actually went on our first ski trip most recently, and we will definitely be doing that again. So if you want to be a youth leader to go with us. It's been an incredible year. We've met some new kids. We brought some new kids back in. And you'll even get to hear from some of my students after I'm done talking tonight. And I cannot wait to hear what they have to say. Are you ready to continue the night? Let's do it. All right. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for Youth 214. I thank you that you are building the next generation to carry your church. I thank you that you care so deeply for each and every one of your students. Tonight, I pray that these words would touch every person here, God, because they're not just for my students, they're for everyone, God. I pray that you would use me as your mouthpiece, that everything comes out of my, that comes out of my mouth is for your glory. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I feel like I just need to go like this and preach this way the whole night, but I love all of you, so I'll preach this way. (laughs) I'm wrapping up our home address series. For those of you who don't know, we've been preaching on scripture references for 214-4. Church 214. I said church 214. Okay, that didn't work out the way I wanted. It's fine. 307 for 307 Oak, which is a building we are renovating downtown. Um, If you want to listen to the entire series, you can go to church 214.org slash podcast, or you can, look, you can look at our Facebook page. Heidi mentioned last week that three of her family members preached before her, so that would be four from the Bennett family, and now I am following. And I may not be blood-related to Heidi, but because I love Jesus, we are related. And because of maybe some other confusing things like sharing in-laws, but not really, but like, it's fine, we could be related, But here's the thing about loving and accepting Jesus. You are part of God's eternal family. You're part of my family and Heidi's family. And last week, one of my dear, sweet friends, Ashton, accepted Jesus. There should be a picture of him. There he is. We made a cake for him. Some people blew my mind and ate that cake. I won't mention who didn't. (laughs) Um, Ashton, we love you. We are so proud of you. Ashton is a first-generation Christian who is hopeful to lead his family to Jesus. It's incredible. Let's give God some glory for that. We are so proud of you. Even Boone, even though he doesn't know your name, he sometimes mixes it up. Just a quick story. If my kids call you mama or dad, just go with it, okay? They're confused about who their parents are. But we're all spiritual fathers and mothers, so just roll with it. Yes, whatever you need. You want me to take you home? Okay, let's go. Want me to put you to bed? Okay. (laughs) Just kidding. I want to keep them. All right, so tonight's message is titled, We Are the Messengers. So if you're taking notes, put that at the head. (laughs) Um, Last week, we actually did something called You're the Preacher, and I had my students preach And I put them in groups, and some of them did really, really well. And there was one particular student who decided to go off on his own. And this won't surprise you now that you've met him. He opens his Bible, and he says, Nehemiah 2.14. 
I don't think he read the scripture before he even got up there. Something about donkeys and pools or something. And it ended with amen in a truck, and that's about it. We got some work to do on him. We're going to be talking about Ezekiel tonight, so you can turn with me there in your Bibles. If you don't have your Bible, you can reach in front of you or behind you, and there are actually Bibles there. The book of Ezekiel is based on true facts that Ezekiel experienced himself and then recorded. Too bad we're not preaching on Peyton 2.14. Y'all could learn a lot of things from me. Ezekiel is one of the four major prophets. He was married and taken into captivity by the Babylonians along with the rest of the Israelites. And despite being in captivity, he was still a messenger for God. And I just want to highlight this for someone in here that even though you feel like you're in the pit or you feel like you're taken out, you're not. You're still in the game. You are still a messenger. Ezekiel was in captivity. Let's read from Ezekiel 3. The voice said to me, son of man, eat what I am giving you. Eat this scroll. Then go and give its message to the people of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he fed me the scroll. Fill your stomach with this, he said. And when I ate it, it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. Ezekiel is being called and commissioned by God to prophesy to the Israelites in this chapter. While Ezekiel and others give and gave their prophecy and were called to be prophets, we are all called to be messengers of the gospel of Jesus. No matter your age, your status, your location, you are called to be a messenger for Jesus. So in order for Ezekiel to do what God has asked of him, he had to first eat the scroll, okay? And the scroll is actually a symbolic representation of the word of God. So this wasn't physical food that he ate. He didn't eat like a piece of paper, He was reading the word of God, and it was mental and spiritual nourishment for him. Ezekiel was required to consume the word of God for himself before he could go and speak the words of God to the people. And the same is true for you and me. We must consume the word of God before we can be the messengers of God. Psalm 119, 103. How sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. Jeremiah 15, 16. When your words turned up, I feasted on them, and they became my joy, the delight of my heart, because I belong to you, Lord God of heavenly forces. We must consume the word of God before we can be the messengers of God. This right here, we have to consume it. Give us this day our daily bread. You know, there are actually some things that are keeping us from consuming God's word. And those things are called idols. And idols are anything that you place a higher value on than God. Than worshiping God, than spending time with God, than hearing God's voice. And those things can be your friendships, your extracurricular activities, your email, your work, your spouse, or your social media. For the last couple of years, my alarm would go off and I would roll over and I would grab my phone from the charger and I would start scrolling Instagram because y'all posted in the middle of the night for me to see. That makes total sense. And then I would rush through my activities with my sons and I'd put them down for a nap just to scroll through social media again. 
or I would feel overwhelmed with the things that I needed to get done around the house, and instead I would sit on my couch and scroll social media. And I was missing out on time with the people I love, but most importantly, I was missing out on time with God. For the last six to seven months, I had felt the Lord press on my heart that I needed to get off social media. And so I did what any good Christian would do, and I deleted off my phone, and I fasted from it. And it worked, but it didn't. Maybe for two hours, and I'd get on Safari and be like, oh, it's Safari. It doesn't count. Well, it counts. Okay? It counts. I would text my friends and be like, hey, do you want to do this with me? Two days later, just kidding, I got back on. Did you see what so-and-so's doing? My husband's laughing because he knows the struggle is real. So anyway, six, seven months ago, I felt like I was supposed to get off of it, kind of got off of it. And then I was in my bed at the end of December one night, and I just felt like my phone, I had to drop it. I was like, okay, now's the time. So I run out of my room, run through the kitchen, run to the living room, and my husband's doing this, playing video games. That's the face I make at him. And I said, babe, I need you to change my Facebook and Instagram password right now. And he was like, hold on, babe, let me kill, kill some more people. No, right now. God said right now. (laughs) And so he did what any good husband would do, and he changed my passwords for me. And an even greater husband didn't tell me what my passwords were. And can I tell you, the last 31 days, I have gotten more of my life back. I have enjoyed my family more. I'm less angry at my husband for not taking me on vacation like everyone else. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I see more people face to face. And guys, for 31 consecutive days, I have gotten in the presence of the Lord no longer distracted. And your thing may not be social media. Your thing may be something else. Y'all, we, we cannot be a messenger if we don't know the message. Let's keep reading. I'm actually going to switch versions for um, verses 4 to 9 and then again um, in some more verses. And this is actually a trick that I use to understand God's word better. So I can read it in one version and I'm like, what in the heck? And then I read it in the next version and I'm like, God just downloaded it on me. Okay, so this is really something you can use to help you understand God's word more. Ezekiel 3, 4 to 6, the message version. Then he told me, son of man, go to the family of Israel and speak my message. Look, I'm not sending you to a people who speak a hard-to-learn language with words you can hardly pronounce. If I had sent you to such people, their ears would have perked up and they would have listened immediately. I want to pause right here. Ezekiel is told that he won't be accepted by strang- or that he will be accepted by strangers and not people of his own. Who do we know who experienced something like this? Shout it out. Jesus. Very good. Whoever that was. I pointed that direction, but I think it was right there. And this is what happens. He goes to teach in his hometown, and he, the people mock him. They don't listen to him. This is the story in Matthew 6. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter. The son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, he sure, they sure knew a lot about him for not believing him. And his sisters who live right down the road here among us, they were deeply offended and refused to believe him. If you ever feel alone in something, I just want to remind you that Jesus was here and he was fully man. Okay? He, he experienced rejection. 
So he experienced so many things that we feel so alone in. But if we open our Bibles and we consume God's word, we are reminded we're not alone. We're not the only one who's gone through this. All right, let's head back to Ezekiel. We're now reading in the Amplified Version. If you have your phones, you can switch back and forth on that. It's a pretty cool thing. Ezekiel 7 through 11. Yet the house of Israel will not be willing to listen to you and obey you, since they are not willing to listen to me and obey me. For the entire house of Israel is stubborn and obstinate. Behold, I have made your face as hard as their faces and your forehead as hard as their foreheads. I have made your forehead like emery, diamond, harder than flint. Do not be afraid of them or be dismayed before them, though they are a rebellious house. Moreover, he said to me, son of man, receive into your heart all my words, which I will speak to you. And hear with your ears, listen closely. Go to the Jewish exiles in Babylon, to the children of your people, and speak to them, whether they listen or not, and tell them, thus says the Lord God. So the Israelites are in captivity because they would not obey God. I guess they didn't listen in the wilderness, so they had to go for longer. God literally says that they are a hard case and they're hardened by their sin. But you know what, Ezekiel, you go ahead. You go ahead and try again on my behalf. It's not intimidating or anything. And this reminds me an awful lot of the world that we live in. We are living in a world that has tainted the truth, that has watered down the truth, that has said my truth rather than God's truth. A world full of division, false hope, a world full of selfishness, and a world full of really hurting people. And this is why the message and the messenger are so crucial. You see, God did not send Ezekiel unprepared. God equipped and instructed him. And God wanted more for the Israelites, even though they screwed up over and over and over again. And the same is true for this world. God wants more for his people even today, even right now, even tonight. God is doing the same thing for me and you that he did for Ezekiel. He does not send his messengers out unprepared. Isaiah 41.10. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. He's a good God. How many of you in this room have heard of the term trench runners? Just raise your hand if you have heard of the term trench runners before. Philip, you better know. You educated me. I learned a lot this week, and I believe you need to hear this, okay? The ability to communicate efficiently on the battlefield has been extremely important for as long as there has been warfare. Getting a message from one part of the army to the other part of the army is the diff- would be the difference between an all-out victory and a crushing defeat. There have been many methods over the years to communicate pre-technology, things like signals, hand signals, um, flags, or trained animals, but nothing was as efficient as sending a human runner. The job of a trench runner was one of the most dangerous of the war as it meant leaving the safety of the trenches, often in full visibility of enemy snipers with little to no cover. The men chosen as runners were often young and between the ages of 18 and 20. 
And due to the high risk of death or injury, they most often worked in pairs. If the distance traveled was too great, a relay system was sometimes set up to minimize danger and maximize the chances of the message getting through. In addition to normal skills required for a soldier, runners had to become highly skilled at map reading and recon. Delivering message was not their only task. They were also expected to guide new troops to their battlefield positions. The trench runner meant everything to the battle. We are in an all-out war for souls to know the greatest messenger of all, Jesus You see, in order to be a trench runner, you have to get uncomfortable. In order to be a trench runner, you got to get in the battle. In order to be a trench runner, you have to be able to read maps and understand recon. In order to be a messenger, you have to know God's word and point others to Jesus. Ezekiel did none of this in his own strength. He was constantly relying on the message and the messenger. Are you willing to be a trench runner for God? You carry the message. You carry the hope of the world. You are the messenger. We are all the messengers. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much that you're good. Jesus, I thank you so much that you have called us to be the messengers, God, but you didn't call us to do it alone. You called us to rely on you. Jesus, I pray that every person we come into contact with, that we would be reminded that we carry the hope of Jesus, that we carry your name and your message, and we carry the hope of eternity. Jesus, I pray people leave here tonight deciding to be trench runners, deciding to get uncomfortable, deciding to consume your word, and deciding to share your word. It's in your name we pray. Amen.